Season 2, Episode 20, When the Market Stopped, The 2008 Crisis and Aftermath. Hi, and welcome back to the Valencia Property Podcast, where we have started the year strongly with plenty of signings and a client funnel packed to the rafters. In the last two weeks, we've had the greatest number of initial client meetings, both online and in person, that we've ever had. And each and every one has decided to work with us on the Valencia Property Purchase. Yay! Some of those are now, and some of them, we've started the search with them already, or some of them are in the future. Um, one of them being as far away as 2026, for example, and we call that good planning. There also seems to be a theme emerging in those meetings, an orange Hitler not being where he should be in a federal prison, but instead occupying the White House seems to be the main theme. Yes, a lot of those initial meetings were with Americans, and orange Hitler is a big worry for them. Not all, though. As we've always said, Brexit is the gift that keeps on giving. In fact, I was interviewed in the independent newspaper at the end of last year, where I said what a great thing Brexit was. At least, a great thing for our business. People striving to get away from the UK is a big thing for us. You can see a link to the article in the show notes, of course. But I may have used the words um, shitshow, farce and other comments that may make you feel as if my opinion of Brexit is not the highest. Um, I wouldn't want to give you the wrong impression, so that's why I use those words. My opinion of Brexit is not the highest. Today on the podcast, we're looking at two things. The deluge of blog posts over the last two months with extracts from some of them because we wrote a lot and I didn't mention any of them in the last podcast. And the financial crisis of 2008 and its aftermath in our series of Valencia stories. This is the second part of the financial crisis. Today, we're looking at the period from 2008 when the crash happened and where we finished our last podcast up until around 2013 to 15. It's sort of, you know, we'll call it 2014, shall we? So, to start, we finished 2023 with various blog posts looking back at the year and the state of the market. Our first post in December was the second part of our article about the best places to buy in Valencia at each price range. And these are the higher price ranges. As usual, the link is in the show notes for all of the articles we're going to talk about today. The next one was all about why we don't appear on the property portals. Lots of people don't realise that property portals are a thing, and that Idealista, Fotocasa, etc., they're not estate agents. Or rather, that's the impression we get when looking at comments on expat forums when someone will ask for recommendations for estate agents, and the answers will invariably include experts, and I put experts in inverted commas there, who say, I use the Idealista as they are the biggest agent in Spain, or... Have you tried Idealista? They have the biggest selection. But anyway, I digress. One of the biggest reasons we're not on portals are the tyre kickers. So let's listen to a little bit of that. As an agency without a high street presence, we don't get walk-ins. We do get the online equivalent though, and this was one of the most frustrating things when we were on the portals. But what is an online tyre kicker? It's someone who goes onto the website in question and sends us inquiries for five, six, maybe seven or more properties. And how do we know they are a tyre kicker? Well, the first will be an apartment in a Pueblo for 120,000. The second inquiry is for a 400,000 euro villa. The third is for a 1.2 euro mansion. 1.2 million euro mansion, I should say. Then there'll be a city apartment for 200k. Then there'll be a masia or a castle or similar. They're just not consistent. 
People who are going to buy have specific requirements to send a clustered selection of properties based on those requirements. Tire kickers just merrily overuse the click here to ask for more information button. And yes, Akif, we are talking about you and your ridiculous number of inquiries. And when we called you out for it, you said, do not contact me anymore. Any further correspondence I will report to the Data Protection Authority and police and consider harassment. Mate, it was you kept inquiring and we just kept answering you and answering you and answering you with no response. Until we got to the point of asking, mate, why are you kicking our tyres? You can read more about this in the article and you can see all of the reasons why we aren't on the portals in the show notes. We then brought forward our post due on Christmas Day. You remember Christmas, right? It wasn't that long ago. And we talked about the stepping stone rental properties that were available. You should keep an eye on them if you're looking for a three-month rental to start off your Valencia property journey. Again, check out the show notes. Since we wrote this, obviously, we've taken on more properties too. Remember, our idea with stepping stone rentals was a place to find a property for your initial stay in Valencia. We chose three-month time periods as standard because this gives people time to find their long-term rental or for them to purchase property. It's the length of a Schengen visa. It's typically the time needed by people when they're modernizing a property and need to move out for a while. It also means the initial outlay isn't as much for foreign buyers. We can negotiate longer stays or renew the initial stay and at times it may be possible to have a slightly shorter stay if your dates don't coincide. But the basics are for three month stays. Stepping stone rentals are fully equipped and supplied ready to go with all white goods, initial supplies and internet. So you can get down to work or to Netflix and chill on arrival. There's a single price paid on reserving the property and you have full support while here with issues that may come up. You also get the expertise of Valencia Property to help you find long-term rental or purchase and as a stepping stone's rental customer you get a discount off our normal fees for that service. All costs are included in the rental, including electric, gas, water, and internet. And we take, and usually hold, a 500 euro deposit on reserve until the end of contract and leaving the property. This reserve can be higher if you have a pet, for example, but it's not usually. Read more about Stepping Stone Rentals at the link in the show notes. The last article of the year, therefore, was our review of 2023, and we talked about the state of the market in that too. So here's a little bit. The situation of the market in general, there's one thing we always say to people that makes sense now and has always made sense. If you like it, there are others who will like it too. And this is as true now as it ever was. If you read the press, you might think that the market has slowed down all over the world due to interest rate rises. It's not true in the least here. Only last week, three places that we have booked to see with clients sold before they could get to see them, despite only booking the visits the day before. At one of them, we received a call on arriving at the apartment block to say the agent wouldn't be there because the person who made the first visit of the morning was signing a contract to reserve the property at that moment. Tough luck, unfortunately, but we found them something better. We're not seeing more properties coming onto the market at the moment, and the draining of supply doesn't seem to have stopped either, with just 5,500 properties listed in Valencia for sale, down from around 7,000 a few months ago. So every time one sells, and it isn't us who have sold it, we sigh and move on, trying to find even more places that will suit our clients. Make sure that you get the best help on the market, and we'll put you in touch with David, Paul, Gavin, Jess or Mariah, and they'll guide you around the Valencia property market and find you your perfect place. 
Our next article, well, we were into 2024. We're actually on the 1st of January 2024. We talked about what's coming up on Valencia property. And we'll repeat that here. As always, things change, yet things remain the same. We will be continuing to update the main website with a selection that we curate of more great properties on an almost daily basis. As long as the market supply allows us to, because sometimes there's nothing worth listing. Remember, as a buyer's agent, we don't only offer you what you can see on the homepage of the site. We troll through the market to find the best property for you. But for a litany of reasons, not all of the best properties make it onto our website. It's best to send us your requirements and we can start working with you to find out the best property for you. You can do that by filling in the form in our first step post. And again, as usual, you'll find the first step post in the show notes. As to what's coming up elsewhere, well, you're listening to the podcast now, so I don't need to tell you anything about that. On the blog, we'll be continuing to publish weekly on Monday mornings in Europe at nighttime in the States. So to make sure to bookmark and check out the site every week for new information about the market and about Valencia. And if there's anything you need to know and want us to write about, then let us know. We'll consider it. Just send us an email to information at valencia-property.com. On our socials, we'll continue to answer questions, post information, share stories and memes and images from Valencia and beyond. So give us a follow, whether that's on YouTube, any number of Twitter clones, Instagram, Facebook, etc. Our next post was all about the philosophy of Valencia property, how we work with you and why we work in the way we do. So let's listen to a bit of that. But it's not all good. Or rather, it might not be. We can have bad days. We may just not hit it off. Things can go wrong. We're good, but we can never be perfect. And if you don't book early, we will be double booked and unable to help you at short notice. One thing though, we don't think you'll ever find a better estate agency. Show me one anywhere in the world with the capacity to list the best hand-picked properties, to put out a weekly blog with all of the information you need about the market for two decades, to produce a podcast in-house again with all of the information you ask for for nothing, to have free consultation calls, to have this much experience in the market and to make things fun and interesting and to develop whole new markets like Stepping Stone Rentals and to do all of that without ever signing a single contract with anyone. We don't do that. We work on trust. We do this while maintaining a small, dedicated, knowledgeable team working for a large number of select clients and maintaining an online and offline reputation that means we are constantly recommended by virtually everyone all over social media. We trust people, and luckily, we get that trust back in us as a result. If you come into Valencia, then work with us. Our next post was a light-hearted post about the most annoying things about living in Spain. Light-hearted for sure, but these things are annoying, so get used to them. And then we did one that I've been thinking about writing for a time, about electrifying your life in Valencia through solar panels, batteries, and electric cars. Valencia is the European green capital for 2024, And these things are important and becoming ever more so. So I was able to write it finally. Here's a snippet. Valencia was named Europe's green capital for 2024 a couple of years ago due to its commitment to sustainable goals and tourism. Things change though, and it's a little bit embarrassing now as the new government is considerably less focused on sustainability than the previous one. However, they they were tied into doing the things that were promised when Valencia applied for the role. Essentially, They couldn't get out of their previous commitments. You can read more about Valencia being Europe's green capital in the show notes. And finally, the last article of the month 
was all about the new report from Numbeo that places Valencia as the fifth best place to live in the world and the best in Spain for quality of life issues. I think I found out a mistake in the numbers and it might well be because of us here at Valencia Property. Have a read about it, but again, here's a snippet. The Numbeo Index is taken in real time from people living in towns and cities all over the world. It includes prices of a basket of goods, pollution figures, climate data, safety issues, healthcare costs and provision, purchasing power of salaries and property price to income ratios. In smaller towns and cities, the results can be skewed by one person's report being out of line with the others. But as soon as there are a lot of respondents, as there tend to be in larger towns and cities, then the results can become more reliable. This year in Valencia, there were 1,546 entries in their database from 217 different contributors. That's a good sample size. You can see all of the figures for Valencia in the show notes. And I think they're mostly very reliable. I can get bananas cheaper, beef is a bit more expensive, etc. But these are minor quibbles. However, as I'll explain later, I think there's still a statistical quirk, which means the numbers are skewed. And I'll tell you why in the whole article. Make sure to read it. I think you'll enjoy it. So that was our articles for the two months. And now we come on to part two of our Valencia story, all about the financial crisis in Valencia. We talked about the lead up to the financial crisis and the property boom in the early 2000s in the last of the series. Today we're going to continue with our series and we talk about the Spanish property market from the financial crisis of 2008 until around 2014-2015. We finished the last post with the financial crisis happening and this being the final straw for an already overheated and overcooked property market. Banks stopped lending to both builders and potential homeowners as other banks, financial institutions, central banks and governments had stopped lending to them so they couldn't get money from anywhere. In Spain, over the next few years, 80-plus banks would essentially become 10. Mergers, forced purchases, government action and closures meant choice dropped massively. To understand the Spanish property market in this time, you need to understand the Spanish mentality and the Spanish system for repossession. Let's take the first, as it's easier to understand. If prices start dropping due to a lack of demand, then I, as a buyer, will offer less for a property, knowing that it will be worth less very soon. Or even, I don't bother making an offer. That's logical. What's not logical is Spanish pride and stubbornness. If my property were on sale for €200,000 and I get offered 180000 in a rising market, I don't accept. If prices are dropping then that is other people's properties. Mine is still worth 200,000, even though I can't sell it because, well, reasons make up a valid reason here. As prices continue to drop, eventually I may well say, well, I'll take 10,000 off my price. But that doesn't move the needle because by then things have dropped even more. No demand, as nobody can get a mortgage, means no buyers. And the few cash buyers around have a choice and will cherry pick available offers. However, they come up against people denying reality. My property is still worth 200,000 or 190,000. Then the lack of demand is compounded by the Spanish system of repossessions. It's changed these days, but here's what happened back then after 2008. Interest rates have peaked. People lost their jobs due to companies going to the wall as their funding and credit lines closed. They couldn't pay the mortgage. 
and after just three non-payments, the bank started to repossess property. This process of repossession took about 12 months, but the bank took your property at a rate of 50% of valuation, and they deliberately valued low. They also piled all of the costs of repossession onto you, meaning that after they had thrown you out of your house and taken your possessions, they were still owed money by you and would get it every month from your wages, if you were working, for the rest of time. Until, well, until they didn't. How does this work in practice? Let's say you have a 200,000 property at the top of the market and suddenly you can't pay the mortgage of 80%. Essentially, you owe 160,000. The bank starts the repo process and meanwhile prices are dropping so you can't sell. They instruct the valuer to value low for the repossession and they say it's now worth 120000 despite having valued a couple of years back at over 200000 They adjudicate the property to themselves at 60000 That's 50% of that new valuation. You've just given the bank 60000 by being thrown out of your house but you still owe them the 100k that remains. Are you following? There isn't any of just giving the keys back and calling it quits like in the States. Oh, and by the way, the costs of a repossession fall on you, and that's roughly 30% of the valuation placed on the property. And in this case, 30% of 120,000 would be 36,000. So not only do you owe them the 100,000, you owe them 136,000 and you are homeless. The judge will say that a percentage is taken out of your wages until you have paid it off. And that percentage is anything not required for the basics in life. In other words, a shit show. However, these repossessions are then put onto the market by the banks. And guess what? And guess what? They want to recover everything. All of their money. So despite the fact that the valuer has now said the property is worth 120000 they might put it on the market at their original valuation of over 200000 in order to recover their costs. I say might because they don't put everything on the market. More on that later. So it stays on the market for ages because now it's massively overpriced. And sometimes the ex-owner realises that it is for sale and empty and they are in deep debt and homeless, so what do they do? Well, they occupy the house and become a squatter in their own home. And if they don't, somebody else might. Squatters love bank properties because of the unfair system of how the bank came to own it and the lack of oversight or probability that it will be sold because it's overpriced, meaning they can stay there for a long time. Now the situation becomes that the property is on sale at 200000 but with a real value of maybe 120000 and it has a squatter, meaning it's worth less to a buyer due to the difficulty of getting a squatter out. The price is now under 100000 in reality, and therefore, it doesn't sell. Compounding this are repossessions the banks made from developers. Remember, the developers either can't get the buyer to complete or couldn't get the finance to finish off the buildings and sell them. So they go into bankruptcy and the bank gets another load of properties whose prices were dropping. How do you sell a 100 apartment block when there are no buyers and investment funds have just jumped off a cliff? The answer is, you don't. And the answer is, Sareb. Sareb is the Spanish bad bank. In order to stop all banks going bust under the weight of the bad debts from the financial crisis, 
The Spanish government set up a bad bank where banks could offload their repossessed properties, liabilities, and therefore clean up their balance sheets. Sareb becomes very quickly the biggest owner of property and land in Spain, and by a factor of 100. The idea is that Sareb will sell off all of these distressed assets over the years, but so as not to flood the market with properties, which again would depress prices across the board and maybe mean that 100,000 is worth even less, they only release a limited number of properties onto the market each year, and they start off with the cherries. The dross stays on their books awaiting a recovery. So a maximum of 15% of the portfolio is sold off each year so as not to sink the market. And anything good is picked off by the bank managers in Sareb and their friends who see the cherries early and pick them off before they go into public sale. And this is why when anyone gets in touch with us and says, do you sell bank properties? I say, no, because most of them are absolutely rubbish. As a result of this, between 2008 and 2013, prices drop in Spain by up to 60%, in some isolated cases even more. Even the most in-demand areas in the most in-demand cities see price drops of over 40% across the board. And if we take an average of 50%, then prices have to rise 100% to get back to where they were in 2008. Examples. A 200,000 property dropping in price by 50% gives us 100,000. To get back to 200,000, prices need to rise by 100%. However, this process didn't start until after 2013 when the shocks of the financial crisis maybe started to wear off a little bit, or at least be a bad memory in hindsight. But the main reason for this was that if you could get credit, then the Eurobar rate was down to 0.5% by 2013, and it fell even further there, going into negative territory by 2016. And therefore, banks could make money again by giving ridiculously low mortgages to people. Now, if you have maintained your job and your income during the financial crisis, and have managed to pay your interest rates at 6% like they were in 2008, then when your mortgage dropped to 1% as your rate was variable, you were looking good. All that extra money you weren't paying out went to buying distressed assets from the bank and getting yourself a property to rent out. Most people couldn't do this as their credit history was shot by the crisis. But those who could, did. And how. Funds started to buy properties for rental in the Airbnb market too. And in the next pod, we'll talk about what happened in the rise of the market from maybe 2014 to today with the rise of Airbnb temporary rentals and the rental crisis that comes as a result. That's the second part of this Valencia story. We're not going to do any recommendations this month and I think we might knock it on the head for anything specific. Nevertheless, the recommendation will always be the same. Make sure to bookmark our homepage valencia-property.com because we update it regularly. Make sure to look at our blog every Monday. It's still the largest repository of information about the Valencia property market you're likely to find online. And we're posting content daily on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, Mastodon, and all of the other social media sites to bring you back to our home at Valencia property so you can get your home in Valencia. And that's it for this month. Remember, 
we're always available for consultations and questions. And if you have any questions, then send us a mail to information at valencia-property.com. You never know, we might even feature it on a future episode when we do our next FAQ. Meanwhile, it's February 2024. Isn't it about time you started planning your Valencia property purchase? Get in touch with us. Let's get working together. Thanks for listening and we'll speak next time. Thank you.